0: Townies, a monthly feature on KYMN Radio, is produced by Art Makers, bringing together artists with disabilities and local, professional, and student artists to create art together and build community. And now your hosts, Andrew Rosso and Betsy Spethman. Welcome to Townies. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.
1: Well thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be here It's a privilege and i'm I'm just very excited
0: oh we're, we're so thrilled to be to have one of our favorite musicians and mathematicians talking with us today so yeah
1: oh gosh <laughs> well, if you put the two together, there might not be so much competition. i don't know uh, i I think you're very brave to um to pull out math and music as the topics together yeah. because they both get rather technical but like, why do you even think there might be something which would join them together? I hesitate to say connection. Sure. Like, lots of people seem to think this, but why on earth would anybody think that um, that math and music should have some connection?
0: Andrew, do you have a thought about that?
1: Some pianos have eighty-eight. Some pianos have sixty-one. Keys on God. them. Yeah. You are so good. I, yes, I, I think now you say that. I think I did know there were eighty-eight keys on the piano yes. keyboard, but if you asked yeah. me without you saying that, I wouldn't have been able to tell you.
0: And so, Peter, do you learn music by ear then?
1: No, I don't. I I, I read from. Well, it depends what it is actually, because in the jazz context. Um, I may learn things by ear, but I'm not very good at doing that. Some people are really expert at doing that sort of thing. Uh, And if you learn something by ear, then I think you get to know it very well and you forget it less easily. But um, I I, I learn things by reading something which is written on paper. And sometimes that thing which is written on paper is a transcription that I have made Mm -hmm. of a song that I have heard and I transcribe it and put it down on paper. But I read music and um, that's the first way I was trained to learn um, how to play the piano and to learn music, it's reading from notation um, like that. But then when I'm performing music, when I'm playing music, I'm not just reading off a piece of paper. In fact, if I were just doing that, it would be very difficult because if the music gets very complicated, then it's hard to take everything in off the piece of paper. And so you go from other, I go from other things. I go from memory, um, which is a a memorization of what my fingers are doing at the keyboard, a muscle memory, if you will. And I also go by what the music sounds like.
0: When you talk a little bit about starting with the music and then making notations from it, that that feels like you have to know the music really well to be able to write down what the notes are is that something that you learned as as you had more experience as a musician
1: it's got better as i've got more experience got become become easier for me as i've got more experience and also practice transcribing things and i've done quite a lot of transcription especially in the context of um performing jazz because you don't necessarily have uh, written-out music available to you to um, play from, like something that somebody else has, has transcribed. Maybe a melody, there may be a tune there, and I may write that down. And perhaps before that, I might focus on the rhythm of what is going on and try and get that sorted out. But I did also, I did also transcribe as a teenager because I had to come up with music for various circumstances. Sometimes I would have to come up with music that I, I was putting together myself. I remember once we did um, a, a school, uh, a, a production at school, I think so it was a play, but it wasn't really a play. It was a, a dramatization of some aspects of Alice in Wonderland, let's put it that way. And uh, we, there was a team of people and we were all um, students at the school and somebody was writing a script for it and somebody was, kind of directing it and I was in charge of putting together music for it and so I had to draw on music from various sources we had to perform it so there was several of us doing this I was on the keyboard and there were some other people playing things but you have to come up with music for something um, and some of that is making up your own music and other parts of it is copying what you hear and what you think might be suitable.
0: It sounds like there's a really interesting connection for you, too, not only with sort of music and the kinds of music that you're hearing and the music that you're composing yourself, but also music and drama. And so music that goes along with another kind of a performance, a, a story, for example. Can you talk a little bit about some of the music that you've been doing that's connected to drama?
1: Well, these days I play in the theater a fair bit. Uh, and it's an awful lot of fun to play uh, with the musical theater and musicals, you know. So, um, I, I, probably each year I'm doing something. Recently, I've done two things. Uh, one of them was uh, the production of Peter and the Starcatcher, which went on here not so long ago. And I was on keyboard for that. Before that, I, in Farbo, I was directing the band for La Cage Fall, um, which was a tremendous experience. and. I, I've now played in, in quite a lot of musicals and I, I really enjoy it because it's fun. I like the um the live aspect of it. Like you have to be quite sharp about what you're doing. And you have to come in really sharply. So somebody Uh, there's, There's some action on stage, some actor is doing something on stage. You have to coordinate that thing. There will be times when I'm conducting a pulse, there might be four beats before people come in, and it's got to come in at exactly this moment after somebody has said something, which means I have to start conducting before person has finished what they're saying and i have to anticipate and if they happen to pause and take longer than usual then i'm in trouble doing that so this kind of live action i find um i find quite exciting everybody in the theater you know is pulling together all the performers everybody is pulling together for this performance and somehow the attention goes on that rather than the wrong notes you might play or something of that kind.
0: It sounds like it's a really different kind of energy too when you're performing with others and there's that group aspect and the the dynamic between the musicians and the actors versus a solo performance where the whole spotlight is all on you and all the pressure is on you. It sounds like just a different kind of a dynamic.
1: It is, it it is a a different kind of dynamic. And I prefer the the theater kind of uh, dynamic um, to be
0: honest, well, and to be able to share your experience of the pleasure of performing in ways that doesn't carry that same level of stress that that some methods of performing do
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and Andrew it reminds me a little bit, Andrew, do you mm-hmm. remember when we went to that um exhibit at the Minnesota Historical Society, and they had oh a- yeah, 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 and it was Tell me home. About that. so peter it was it was called I think it was called home. And it was set up. It was the the uh, uh, replication of an actual home that in. Oh, you mean uh, you mean at the history center? Yeah, and there was. Do you remember this, Andrew? And so you you walk kind mm-hmm. of walk through oh, the exhibit. Oh yeah, where the and... keyboard
1: would say, "Yep," where the keyboard would say, "Just don't ask me to play," and then the um, bed would like would would I would I would like shoot up from under you.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> So. The bed part was kind of funny and that was in one of the rooms in the exhibit Peter where you try if you sat down on the end of the bed it sort of broke because the bed was famous <laughs> for breaking in this family. But in the in the parlor, living room of the exhibit, there was a piano and there was information about a woman who lived with this in this was a member of this family and lived in the home who was an a fabulous pianist but she would not play even for family members, even in their home, because she had such strong stage fright. And Barbara
1: Streisand.
0: Barbara Streisand has stage fright?
1: Big time. Is that right? Yep.
0: So you're in good company, Peter.
1: (laughs) Well, the thing to do is get rid of the the stage fright. But I think quite a number of performers, distinguished pianists who have stage fright, I wonder how anybody would manage like that because if you have stage fright, it affects what you can do on stage. And I, I wouldn't think people would perform their best if they're suffering from stage fright.
0: So, Peter, uh, let's talk a little bit about math because that's. No, yeah, well, I was
1: wondering about the math. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the <laughs> other piece of your universe. Tell us a little bit about how you came to math and, and, and about your um, work teaching.
1: So I'll tell you the story about math, but you could almost substitute music and it would be the same. So um, from more or less as long as I can remember, uh, I felt comfortable with math and been intrigued by it and um, at a stage where I I was doing things along with other people, doing mathematics along with other people who were doing mathematics, like when I was at school, you know. um, I I came to realize that it was something that I could do and I was comfortable with it and um, perhaps more easily than some other people because I know plenty of people have trouble with mathematics and I, I didn't. So it strikes some people some ways and it strikes other people different ways. And that's just how it is. Be five years old. Perhaps uh, I, I uh, I was I would work through a, a book of an arithmetic book. it was adding up things and subtraction and so forth and it might seem pretty sort of dull, but I actually enjoyed it. and then going through school, uh, somehow things clicked with me that sort of way and just enjoying it is not quite enough because you have to have a little bit more. You have to have some curiosity about things. But that curiosity has stayed with me. When, when I um, was, when I finished with high school and then I was, I was going to go to university of, of some kind, I had a choice. The choice was between music and mathematics. I chose mathematics for a number of reasons. One of them was I did have the perception that it's easier to make a career in mathematics than it is in music. But there was another thing about it, which is that I felt I did not know what, uh, how far I could get doing mathematics, like what, I, what my capabilities were, and I wanted to take it further in a more demanding sort of way. Whereas I felt I could see where the music would lead and how far I would get with that. And so the mathematics was more of an unknown thing at that time. And I, I wanted to test that out.
0: It sounds like that almost comes back to what you were talking about curiosity, you know, that, that being curious is an important sort of um, aspect of yeah. pursuing music and pursuing performance yeah. too. And that it was the curiosity piece of it that um, made you choose mathematics when you were looking at university.
1: When I was five years old, and music was making sense to me i was uh, and I realized with hindsight and I was sort of then going through my teenage years, and there was elements of curiosity in that as well, like figuring out things how to provide, how to provide music for this school production and so forth. You know you have to kind of think outside the box a little bit.
0: And maybe yeah. that's where, where some of the connection is, is the sort of problem solving. The connection between music and math is the mm-hmm. that sort of problem solving aspect.
1: I think there is, there is a connection there, but perhaps with other things as well, because there's an element of creativity about both those activities. With mathematics, people might find it surprising to hear that if they're not mathematicians. But um, with the mathematics that I, I do, it's all about creativity, thinking of new things and things that people haven't done before. And, and stuff like that and you really have to use your imagination why do we even like music mm. why are we curious about it yet music is something which um everybody in engages in like in our society as we are it's hard to think of somebody who doesn't have music as part of their life in, in some way or another. To some extent, one can ask similar sorts of things about mathematics, although it's less, there's more of a utilitarian thing with mathematics. You can use it to steer ships and build buildings. In my mathematics, um, I specialize in symmetry. It's really intriguing. Symmetry is, is something which uh, everybody appreciates. It's pervasive at all levels. Again, throughout society, there is an appreciation of symmetry, and symmetry makes its appearance in designs that people have or in things in the natural worlds that we see around us. And so, you know, here is a similarity.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. And, and the notion, too, that, that music transcends our differences and that music has been a part of the human experience for all of those centuries, as you say, 10,000 years ago. And that symmetry also is a kind of a universal experience, too. It feels like maybe those are the one of, as you say, similarities of how they can affect all humans. There's something that, that can be an aspect in the life of every human. And that transcends the differences that we have with each
1: Absolutely. other. Absolutely. That's a really important thing. The a remarkable thing. It does transcend the differences that we have, as you say. We can all come together uh, through music. Andrew, I'm aware that you have a a, a curiosity about mathematics. I I know you have an appreciation for mathematical jokes. And some of my best material (laughs) comes uh, (laughs) because you have told me. Uh, When I'm teaching a class, um, sometimes I tell them jokes that you have told me. And they go down very well. You have a mathematical sense of humour. I I think you're less interested in finding an absolute solution to whatever this problem is and more interested in the process and the ridiculous things that that, that you can then conjure up in this mathematical world. There's a a Peanuts cartoon which uh, I have on the wall of my office. I think it's Lucy who is doing a math uh, problem, she, she's sitting at a desk and she's holding a piece of paper. She's reading a question and the caption is, only in math can you can you buy 60 cantaloupes and no one asks what on earth's wrong with you. You have an appreciation of exactly this, this thing, that if you take logic to its conclusions, It may be ridiculous as far as the real world is concerned.
0: Peter, thank you so much for talking with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to Townies, a monthly feature on KYMN Radio with host Andrew Rosso and Betsy Spethman townies is produced by art makers bringing together artists with disabilities with local professional and student artists to create art together and build community tune in on the first thursday of each month for townies